Hi everyone, my name is Sandy Belkran. We're here on the Broken Headphones podcast on 101.5 UMFM. We're here with Deanne Bidasamuse Simpson, and uh, who is a writer, a, uh, a poet, and a teacher. And we're here to interview her about uh, the record, the newest record. Uh, how's it going? It's going very well, thank you. Awesome. Yeah, I, um, I really, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the record quite a bit. It was, it's pretty cool because it's like um, I've been listening to a lot of records, uh, just like that are that are kind of like a compilation of songs, which is cool because um, you know the, I'm a musician, so it's cool to get a bunch of different uh, variety. But I haven't really heard like a record in a while where it's sort of like. Uh, it goes chronologically, I guess, or anyway, for me, that's how the record felt was very mm-hmm. chronological, you know, and it, it felt like, uh, like whenever I'd like take a walk or like whenever I'd like do something like just like, uh, doing like chores or something, like I'd be at the end of the record and I was like, holy cow, like that was like an actual like journey. was, <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, it's one of those kind of like, records I felt where it's like you kind of realize after that it was like yeah a journey and um but yeah I was just wondering like what made you structure the record in the in the way you did and like why did you want to have a record from uh start to finish like that I think it's always I find it really hard when you get to the stage of making a record where it's time to put to order the tracks And I think part of that is because the process of making music, um, you're so in tune to the intimate details and every note and every sound and every word. And and you're so far inside the album itself. It's really, I find it really difficult to take sort of a step back and see how all of the pieces fit together. And it's course, it's always kind of in the back of my head, like, oh, like what if none of these pieces do fit together? What if this doesn't, what if this isn't um, cohesive in terms of, of sound and in terms of a listening experience. So I think we took a lot of of time. Um, We got a lot of different people in our kind of fam and our community to sort of um, listen to it. And and, um, I I didn't listen to it for a while and then sort of went back to it and tried to to figure out almost like an arc. What is the journey of, of these songs? How how are they related to each other? How does, um, what's it like to be a listener? So I think that that process of ordering is always really tricky for me, but it's that process of um, moving from um, being really inside the, uh, the work to taking a step back and trying to figure out how each of these pieces fits together into an arc. So I really feel relieved that you <laughs> that you said that and that there was um, there was a journey and that you that it was meaningful. That's that's artistically something that's important to me. So thank you. Curious about you mentioned an arc, and do you take some? sort of learning from you writing books to you creating music and creating albums um 
could you comment on that or are they two separate entities your your written word and your um songwriting my background i think is really in storytelling and really in community-based sort of oral storytelling and i find music and story is so linked um, at the community level and in, in Indigenous families and in, in lots of other brown and black families as well, that oral tradition and that oral practice is really important. And the, the boundaries between song and story aren't, aren't uh, clear. The song breaks out all the time and it's a really beautiful sort of, sort of thing. So I think that I, um, I pay attention in the sense that um, I put a lot of thought and care, I think, into the lyrics. The lyrics for this record were part of the book Nopuming, but bringing the lyrics and bringing those words into conversations with other musicians and other voices um, for me is a conversation. And so in coming up with the, the musical compositions, um, the lyrics necessarily had to shift a bit. Um, so this isn't spoken word over music. This is very much a conversation between the lyrics. And I think of uh, the voice of guitars, the voice of musicians and all of the sort of different sounds. Um, so that's part of, of, um, of it. I think it's almost the other way around too. I think the performance in music has influenced my writing because I pay attention, I read everything out loud and I pay attention to sort of the rhythm and I pay attention to the sound now in a way that I, I maybe didn't when I was, was first starting to write. Um, so I think that that's, that sound is pretty interesting to me and how it sort of gets inside of people and they carry it around. Thank you. Um, awesome. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's cool like that that you that you write books and and you're also a teacher. Uh, I do some like hip hop instructing and I teach whatever is I can. Hopefully, hopefully people something take away something. <laughs> um, but I notice when I'm teaching, it's there's a place that I wanna that I wanna get to with everyone, with whether that be like you know, class or on a Zoom, it's, I hope that people take this away from whatever it is that I'm teaching. But I find with uh, music, it's, I'm putting a story out there. I'm talking about my life. And sometimes there's this really um, odd thing that happens where someone tells me, they're like, oh, I really like this part of the song, or I really like that song. And then they'll go on, uh, go and and say a paragraph, and then in my head, and then I don't usually tell it, but I just like appreciate it. But like in my head, I'm like, whoa! I'm like, that's definitely not what the song was about. Um, you know, you can't really control about how people are gonna take the song and how people are gonna what people are gonna take away, and it could be something wildly different from what you thought, but because of the sounds and everything, so. Um, but this record, you know, it has a it has a story and it has an intention. So how do you how do you feel about that if someone takes away something from the record that maybe has nothing to do with water or the or colonialism or um, lands? 
I think that um, I like to have have intention when I'm when I'm making when, what with whatever I'm making, whether it's a book or or a song or a record. And I like to think about the meaning, and I like to layer different meanings within um, within poetry and within song. And then I think when you bring instruments and other musicians and there's a collaboration, they're also sort of layering different meanings and different sounds. And sounds really take people on, a, on a, an emotional journey that's diverse often. Um, and there will be a diversity of ways of experiencing a record or a song or the lyrics and people will find different meanings. And I think in my culture, we often with um, sort of oral storytelling, there's a responsibility on the part of the listener to find meaning within the story that they're that they hear. And that might not necessarily be something that's immediate. Uh, it might be something that they have to carry with them for a long time and, and have different conversations and different experiences and unpack and think. And so I I kind of like that part of music and performance where you have a relationship with the listener and the audience and part of the meaning making isn't done um, because it goes through that other sort of network of a, of a person and their experiences and and they they find meaning in that and I think that that's a particularly powerful part of it for particularly um, indigenous listeners and Anishinaabe listeners um, Black and brown communities listening and, and finding that meaning and 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 white communities as well. But I think that that's um, I think that's part of sort of the communal aspect of this that's sharing. And I really like how music in communities is often about that communal experience of sharing something together rather than about who's the best singer or somebody's individual career or who sells the most records. Um, it's sort of about that experience of, of sitting in a room and hearing something um, and, and feeling something and, and talking about it. And I think I think a lot about that right now during COVID-19 because <laughs> we're not able to do that right now, or certainly not to the degree that um, we were in pre-pandemic times. I may pop in, yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm intrigued by the idea of like the whole like an, an audio experience and this idea of sharing with community and um, I guess I, like like and you mentioned with like COVID this past year I found like I was I've reflected a lot on my own practice and how I kind of have this uh, or I think for me as an artist I like to have this healthy balance of like community art time that's like collaborative and sharing and creating with other people and um, and then that balance that's on the other side, that's like that time by myself and like creating that's like work that's just for me. And that's more, that's just like a therapeutic kind of thing. Um, so just, yeah, I was, I was thinking about that this past year. And then I guess just like coming from, yeah, this perspective where uh, very much a visual artist, always was like in choir and band, like in like high school, cause I was like interested in music and, um, but never, never has been like a writer. Um, so I guess as someone like that is interested in getting into more like journaling, writing, and then uh, music kind of aspect, I'm intrigued like maybe your process if you, if you approach 
for your albums that the music first or if the writings come first um, and maybe like what kind of yeah conversations happen between those two. Mm -hmm. I work with um, I work with a group of musicians, and so for this record, the a, a version of the lyrics came first, but this time we composed the music together. So I was right in on the ground floor, and so I think I really hear you when you're talking about that balance between collaboration and working in groups, but then also having space where it's just you doing whatever practice for yourself or or an individual project I think that's really important um, because as a writer that's a very very solitary process you are alone when you're writing your books you are not with the people when they are reading the books <laughs> um, and uh, this this record was a very collaborative process and that um, that's provided a balance I guess to that sort of alone writing experience. Um, so there was, there's a tremendous number of decisions that have to get made artistically, creatively, logistically. Um, and I think this, there's so many decisions, there were so many decisions to get these eight tracks onto vinyl and, and onto into MP3s, onto the airwaves that I think um, in this project, it was a, a process of me really finding my voice and trusting myself um, to, to make the kind of record that I wanted to make. And that was more, that's, you have to be braver in a collaborative setting when you're working with really great musicians <laughs> um, than I have to be alone in my own bedroom. <laughs> So I didn't notice that. And it, the record took actually a long time to make, I think, because of that. So I feel I feel like I've come to music later in life. And so um, I was more established as a, an academic and more established as a writer. And it's been a really beautiful thing to, to start something new and to not be good at it and to remember what it's like to learn and how scary it is to be an emerging artist. Um, and to go through that process of learning to to trust your voice uh, while you're improving your your skills. So I really liked that. I like that collaborative nature of that with the band and finding the right sounds to communicate sort of the intent behind the lyrics. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's always cool to learn uh, to learn a new thing. I've been a musician for a while, and uh, I'm trying to learn the guitar for the first time. Mm -hmm. I noticed I was only a computer producer, and when it like came down to like the fire, like family gatherings, it was like they're like, "Aren't you a musician?" I'm like, "Yeah." They're like, "But you don't know how to play anything." I was like, "Yeah." Yeah. Yeah. This is a this is a question that I'm interested in, but also a question from uh, Mercy too. Is just what what world is it that you uh, that you create for yourself when you create music? Like, what where does it bring you to? Because I I know when I hear it, like especially that like that cover, uh, that like um you know that interpretation of the of the Willie Dunn song. It's like it's those guitars are they're powerful, um, and then just like the way the way that you sort of do your poetry on it is also like 
it's it has a lot of air which is cool and like i like the sing underneath which is awesome and it, i know for me it brings me to like it just brings me to feels like an open field or something or like you know um but what, what world does your music bring you to i think um there's a good story behind the willie dunn song uh, my band a few years ago was asked to be part of the native north american um gathering touring that was um that was in ottawa the national arts center and so all of these uh old old timer indigenous musicians were playing elanisa bobswin was was doing a, a short set and willie mitchell and uh willie thrasher and Eric Landry, there was just a, a, a bunch of these sort of old elder artists that have gone before me and were making music at a time um, when they didn't get any support or, or recognition sort of outside of indigenous communities, but they did it anyway. And they, they toured and they made records. And I felt, um, that there, I felt a little bit sad that, that Willie Dunn couldn't be there because I think he's had such a tremendous influence on this generation of indigenous musicians and this generation of Canadian musicians, but, um, his work was sort of really hidden. And so I, I wanted to find a, a cover that I could do so that he could sort of be part of this gathering. I knew his family was going to be there. And I Pity the Country um, was the one that spoke to me because I think the lyrics in that song were so, um, they were not dated at all, even though it was written in the early 1970s. And so we went to Ottawa. I remember singing that song in the, in the sound check and those old guys were just sitting in the front row um, there were tears in their eyes and then it was time to perform and it was the Rosanna Deerchild from Winnipeg was the host and um, it was the night of the the Colton Bushy verdict came down and we found out that uh, Gerald Stanley had been acquitted and that happened maybe 30 seconds a minute before my band was was going on stage and so Rosanna went out to introduce us and she announced sort of this verdict and it was just devastating I think for everybody who was there but in that moment I had to try to figure out um, how to connect to the audience and sort of what that audience needed. And we had, of course, planned I, I Pity the Country, but I think that version that you hear on the record was really influenced from that moment of sadness and anger, but also wanting to sort of just hug my community, I think, in that moment and try to bring some tiny bit of comfort and love and connection um, in that moment. And I think... Um, we we recorded sort of the uh, a more acoustic version, um, and then we worked on it. Sort of, we revisited it a few times, and then I think um, finally in the mixing stage we we came to the version that you hear now. And so that's um, that sort of I think uh, in some ways the story of the record. But theory of ice, I thought a lot about about water, I thought a lot about snow, I thought a lot about ice, I thought a lot about how precious those things are, how precious winter is to me, and how um, 
and how it's sort of it's threatened right now because of global climate change. I spend a lot of time in the bush. I spend a lot of time watching lakes freeze and melt, and um, using those uh, sort of sort of uh, processes as metaphors um, to bring sort of a meaning to to the moments of life. Uh, yeah, as storytellers and and people that. Gen, like genuinely cherish our communities it's um you never see yourself having to play a song in that circumstance it's oof, that's powerful it seemed in that moment um it seemed like it seemed like the song for that moment it seemed like willie wrote that song for 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 that reason um, and the, the sort of politics and ethics of that song, it seemed like a, it seemed like this comfort and this care and this affirmation and this sort of almost, I, I see, I see your pain. And um, it felt like I was sort of almost just a, like a conduit for it. And I think that that's the power of, um, of sort of the life and the practice that he had of constantly thinking about um, meaning and community and communal work and struggle. And um, I think that that was a, a really, it was a really, really beautiful moment. I think it's something I will never, ever forget. And I think taking sort of the energy of that moment and figuring out how to translate it into to a song um, that might get played on the radio or that other people are going to hear in, in different contexts was... Um, that was that was pretty beautiful work to to be able to do for sure. Uh, you know what we 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 had a, a, a discussion about your work that song primarily because um, we were talking about covers. This is before even the idea of interview you came up, um, and a few of the participants noticed your slight changes and twerks to the to the lyrics. Um, how did you make decisions on what would be the certain lines that you would change and, and which ones that you'd leave alone? And, and it's, it's very subtle things that you changed. I think the, the one line I wanted to, I wanted to bring my own voice in just slightly. And so they, they rape and they beat me. I think it's something that it, it is a line that sort of gestures towards um, the violence um, and the phenomenon of missing and murdered indigenous women and two-spirit and queer folks. And so that one sort of tweak um, in a sense, I think it was almost like, it, it was almost a retelling, a retelling of a, of, um, and a, a re-centering um, of colonial violence that brought gender into it. And so that felt important to me and that felt, like that's the one part of it that feels like it's authentically my voice. That part doesn't feel like a cover, but it feels like it fits into the to the cover. Um, yeah, I also like some of the language. Um, sort of felt like it was from the nineteen sixties. Just phrases that we don't use anymore, and so I thought. Like I thought about changing some of that, like Hudson's Bay fleeces me. Um, there was a, just a couple of phrases like that, but I, 
I didn't, I decided not to just because I, I felt like, um, I felt like um, it would, it's, it, it's, it was his voice and his words and those were the times and um, it didn't feel like the, if the, the use of those terms constricted the song or placed it in the past. I felt like all of the other sort of elements still made it very relatable in the future. So I don't think it dated it. Um, Annie, do you have one more question like about the art or whatever sure. else? So sure, I have a question. Yeah, sure. Um, or like, so basically, I just like uh, was doing some screen printing this morning and then first time ever listener to the Light Fight album from 2016 mm -hmm. um, and loved it. And then that's when I, I shared a song and then I saw that this interview was happening. So I'm glad I got to like, just like the universe works out <laughs> nice ways that way. Um, so I guess from a perspective of like, I'm gonna tell people that's why I'm, I've been listening to. So I'm curious if you've been listening to or reading anything lately that like is inspiring you or that you wanna share at all. I've been reading a book of poetry um, by Junie DeSille called Eat Salt, Gaze at the Ocean. She's a Haitian Canadian poet from Vancouver, which is amazing. And what have I been listening to? I've been listening to a lot of Beatrice Deer. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> There's so many questions and, and conversations and, and ways that we could go with this. And um, personally, like, you don't even have to answer any of these questions. But I, I was wondering throughout the whole time of where did this idea of creating music come from? Because you've, you've pointed out several times in this, even in this conversation of it was, you're still learning about it. You're still, this is still new to you. So, what made you want to go into this medium to was it that writing books and educating was not enough for you to convey your message or did you feel like it just had to um the message had to take a different form there are a lot of beautiful beautiful minds and and people that are not in university classrooms and are not reading books and um I think that making music has enabled me to um, have conversations with such a diverse group of, of, of folks and engage in sort of conversations like we've, we've just had outside of, of the university. And I think that that's so important in terms of Anishinaabe life. And um, I, I think that the, that building these sort of spaces, building these indigenous worlds, building these other worlds in real time where um, people can feel, can feel seen and affirmed and can, can take a breath and stand together as a community um, and experience something. I think that that's, there's something that's valuable in that. I think that you have different conversations in those kinds of, of settings. And um, I think throughout, um, throughout history, struggle has always had a really important artistic, creative music component to it. 
that um, I think brings comfort to to the people on the front lines, that uh, strengthens us as as communities that are are struggling, um, that are refusing the violence of colonialism and trying to build something else. So I think I felt really constricted by the tools of of just pen and paper and and just being in the classroom and. I felt like I wanted to, I wanted to be out in life and making those kinds of connections with, uh, with people who, who might not read books and who certainly wouldn't be in a classroom. Thank you so much. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to end it off if that's all, all good with everyone. Okay. Uh, and Leanne, please correct me if I get uh, your name wrong. Um, but I'm going to try. Uh, the, you've been listening to 101.5 UMFM. This is the Broken Headphones podcast. Annie Beach or Sandy Belkarin have been the interviewees with myself or the interviewers, I should say. Uh, please listen to us at 3 p.m. on Wednesdays and as well on Apple and Spotify and is our SoundCloud, Broken Headphones 393, uh, when you get a chance and on the umfm.com website. Uh, this has been an interview with Liam Barasamuse Simpson and um, look forward to more of her work in the near future. Uh, I know there's a collaborative work with Robin Maynard coming up as well and mm -hmm. um, A Theory of Ice is the name of the latest mm -hmm. album and please check it out and have conversations. Check on your loved ones, give hugs safely and uh, create, create, create. Mm -hmm.